The word helpmate, when you see it in the Bible, is one who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. I love that definition. A helpmate is one who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. That's what a helpmate. So when the Bible says, well, when you put be my helpmate, that's not a slave. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not what that is. It don't mean run and get you a sandwich, rub my feet. That's, that's not what a helpmate is. <laughs> a helpmate is someone who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. So there is a purpose, and the helpmate comes along to do that. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for March 11th, 2018. Today, Pastor Olu brings us part two of his message called World Engines. Daniel is my home in Babylon. Pastor Olu says that the wife's responsibility in the home is to be a helpmate by being an essential contributor and reflecting the functional relationship between Jesus and the Father. In this message, we learn that submission is a voluntary, selfless act which mimics how Jesus took off his glory robe and lined up under the Father. He will be reading from the book of Daniel. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. So we were in Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had the dream. And then at the dream Nebuchadnezzar had, he couldn't find anybody to interpret the dream. Uh, they found Daniel. Daniel came and interpreted the dream. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 45, Daniel goes, well, before 45, he goes and tells him about the dream, about the statue that he saw. I mean, we drew the statue on the, on the board and everything, the statue that he saw. And from that, Daniel goes on to tell them about these kingdoms, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And in chapter 2, verse uh, 45, he says, Just as you saw, a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that broke into pieces of iron and bronze and clay and silver and gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. And what was so sure about that was in verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. And so the whole idea is that there's going to be a kingdom that's going to come, that God's going to set up, and that kingdom will never be destroyed. That kingdom will rule over everything. And so we begin to talk about the kingdom. We begin to talk about the difference between the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, the pure definition of the kingdom of God is where God reigns. It's just simple where God rules supreme. God is in charge of the kingdom. And everything is done perfectly according to his will. That's the definition of the kingdom of God. Where God rules supreme, and when everything is done perfectly according to his will. And so in order for us, the question that we had a couple weeks ago, well, we need to know, are we in the kingdom of God, or are we in the kingdom of man? Are we thriving in the kingdom of God? Am I operating in the kingdom of God? Am I following what God's will is for my life? And in order to understand that, we know that God's kingdom is tied to his will. So to know the kingdom of God, one must know the will of God. That's what it comes down to. And so, Olu, am I representing the kingdom of God in my life? Well, am I obedient? And am I going? Am I going into the world? Am I going to my job? Am I going to my family? Am I going to the places that I interact? Am I bringing the gospel? Am I bringing the kingdom of God with me? Am I making disciples? Those are the things that I need to understand as far as my life is concerned. Then we start looking at, okay, so the kingdom of God in my life, me. Next, we start moving out. Outside of my life, we come to the home. 
And so the question is, does my home represent the kingdom of God? Well, to know that, we know that the kingdom of God is directly attached to his will. And so for my home to represent the kingdom of God, the question is, does my home follow the will of God? And so the question is, what is the will of God for my home? And that's when we looked at, turn with me there, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 3, we saw the kingdom of God represented by the will of God in the home. What is the will of God in the home? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, I'll break it down to you. It's called biblical hierarchy or biblical alignment. And so in the home, there must be an alignment. There must be a hierarchy. That's God's will for the home. And he said in 1 Corinthians eleven three, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. And so what happened was the hierarchy was set up this way. Got the father, got the son, role of the husband, the role of the wife, role of the children. That's the biblical hierarchy. That's how God aligned the home. And so I need to understand, is my home representing the kingdom of God? Well, does my home follow the will of God? What's the will of God for my home? This, that my home operates in this alignment. That's the will of God for my home. And so we begin to look at that and try to understand what that concept is. Knowing that order that operates within a precise and specific arrangement. That was the definition of a biblical hierarchy. An order that operates within a precise, specific arrangement. So listen to those words. An order that operates with a precise and a specific arrangement. So when we look at that, we understand that when we look at that hierarchy, according to the word of God, it does not represent value. It's not saying that there's some people who are more valuable than other people in this hierarchy. It's not what it says. We know that because the Bible says in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28, that there is no man, no woman, no female, no male, no Greek, no Jew in the body of Christ. We are all one in the body of Christ. So Paul took care of that. The hierarchy has to do with the function or the operation or the order, not the value. And so when we look at that, I like the definition. The arrangement is a proper positioning of parts in relation to each other. So it's a proper positioning. So in order for the home to follow the kingdom of God, you can put up a sign saying my home is the kingdom of God is here. Why? Because the will of God is here. Why? Because our home follows this biblical hierarchy. Not a value, but a function. There's a proper positioning in our home in relation to each other. Got to have it. If you don't have roles, if you don't have organization, if you don't have order, then chaos will exist. And so with these words, we started with the husband. And the last time we preached, I preached, I talked about the role of the husband in the home and the responsibilities that the husband has. And we looked at the fact that because of the hierarchy, the husband is supposed to, according to the word of God, to submit, voluntarily place himself under the authority of Jesus Christ. 
And so as a husband, I'm supposed to align my thoughts, my actions, my decisions, my leadership under the overarching viewpoint and authority of God. That's what I'm supposed to do as a husband. Next one in the role of the authoritative position, we looked at the hierarchy and it was the wife. What's the role of the wife? And so in looking at that, there's a certain responsibility what the Bible says the role and the responsibility of the wife is. Before we get to that, when we talk about the wife, the Bible teaches that the wife's responsibility, the role of the wife is to place herself under the functional alignment of the authority of the husband. Functional alignment. So the husband placed himself under the functional alignment of Jesus Christ, and then the wife to place herself under the functional alignment of the husband. But, so how do we do that? Well, one is to understand her role, the wife's role as a helpmate. Now, that word has been explained a lot. I think we did a study about this, so whew, four years ago, maybe? Yeah, at my house, four years ago. It was a while ago. So some of the stuff may sound familiar. The word helpmate, when you see it in the Bible, is one who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. I love that definition. A helpmate is one who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. That's what a helpmate. So when the Bible says, well, what me you put me my helpmate? That's not a slave. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not what that is. That don't mean run and get you a sandwich, rub my feet. That's, that's not what a helpmate is. <laughs> a helpmate is someone who joins forces in order to accomplish a purpose. So there is a purpose, and the helpmate comes along to do that. I was looking at an example, and, and I love football, so forgive me. The example is going to come from football. When you look at the football field, you have the players out there. They're doing what they want to do. They're trying to score. They're trying to play a game. Game has rules. And so in order for the game to function properly and successfully, there has to be somebody on the field in charge. Well, on the field is a bunch of guys. The official names are just that, officials. They're football officials. They ensure that the game, watch this, operates, there's that word again, under proper order and design. That's the responsibility of the football officials, to make sure that the game operates under proper order and design. And so there is a bunch of officials out there, but there is one out there who's in charge. This guy, he's called a referee. The referee is the official whose general supervision of the game and has the final authority on all the rulings. Okay, that's the ref. Now, you got seven guys out there in stripes. You have the referee, you have the umpire, which I learned the other day that his name is actually the umpire. The umpire responsibility is set up behind the defense, and he watches to make sure that everything goes that way. Then you got five other guys. You got the down judge, you got the line judge, you got the field judge, you got the side judge, you got the back judge. So if you look at all these guys out here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, there are seven officials on the field who have joined forces in the order to accomplish the purpose of a successful football game. But there is an authority and hierarchy there. This guy, the referee, he's in charge. He has the final rulings. But the ref can't see everything. He's sitting here. Guys are moving on the line. Some guys might be fighting up and down the field, might get some pass interference. And so what happened? 
They have enlisted these people, these seven referees, who all have authority, who line up under the referee and make sure that the game operates purposely. So you've seen in the football game, something happened, they throw a flag, they come together, they come to the guy with the white hat, the ref, and they say, okay, uh, such just happened, such just happened, got it. Ref come back to the field, he turns on the thing, uh, holding, number 10, defense. Yeah, defensive holding could be that, but this is not the sign for defensive holding. I guess it is. We go offense. Holding. Offense. Number 58. 10-yard penalty. Repeat. First down. They have joined forces, but there is that hierarchy. He has the final decision. The word that God used to describe that help made according to the wife is that same word. One who has joined forces in order to accomplish a purpose. The purpose of the family is to do what? Reflect the image of God. That's what God made the family. God made a man, God made a woman. He said, be fruitful and multiply and rule. God made us in his image so that we could reflect his image to the world. That's our responsibility to do that. And so in order to do that, God said, okay, I'm going to make this man, I'm going to call him the husband. He's going to be in charge and put him in this position. And then I'm going to put the wife in this position as his helpmate. And they're going to join forces in order to accomplish the purpose of reflecting my kingdom to the world. That's how he set it up. And so because of that, one must understand that wives, you are an essential contributor. Essential contributor. Husbands, we need to understand that our wives, though we are in charge, though the buck stops here, so God holds us responsible, our wives are essential contributors. What does that mean? That means that they are specifically designed to complement and complete. When God made man, what did he say? He looked down, remember he made the birds and said, oh, that is good. And he made the grass, oh, that's good. He made the trees, that's great. He made the moon and stars, that's good. He made man, he said, it is not good. For man to be alone. That's the first thing he said, not good. And that whole thing. So I will make him a help me. Why? Because we couldn't do this alone. We're in charge as far as a hierarchy. But we're insufficient to be able to do this, fulfill that purpose alone. And so the wife's role is of an essential contributor. The word there, that, that, that word help there is the same word that if you look in the Old Testament uh, in Psalms and Deuteronomy, it's the same word help that God used to describe himself. That's how important and powerful the role of the wife is in relationship. Husbands, it's a side note. Make sure we do not reject the essential contributions of our wives because it is necessary because that's how God designed it. Yes, we are, have the final authority. We are the referee on the field. But our wives have essential contributions to this thing of purpose that we're living in. And so it's my responsibility to take in everything that my wife says as I make a decision. That's my responsibility. Make sure that it's done healthy, and we'll get, we'll get into that later, but we want to understand that. Somebody said that the, the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck. And the head can't do nothing without the neck. It, just like this. You ever got a crick in your neck and you had to walk around like this? It's very awkward <laughs> and painful. 
It is very, very important that we understand that as husbands and wives, that we understand what our role is as far as that is concerned. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. So in Ephesians, we went through it. Paul takes his time to talk about the wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. He goes into all of that. When we get down to verse 33, it's interesting what it says here. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, talking to the husband, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The Bible says another responsibility of the wife is to not only be a helpmate, to be an essential contributor to this thing, make sure this thing ticks, but also to respect her husband. And I want you to notice, too, notice it doesn't say respect your husband when he deserves it. It doesn't say respect your husband when he gets it right. It doesn't say respect your husband when he's been perfect for about a week or so. It says that as a wife, let her see that she respects her husband. The word respect is simple. It simply means to acknowledge your husband's functional position the same way God acknowledges your husband's functional position. It's just as simple. Call your husband's role what God calls your husband's role. That's it. That's what respect means. And so I look at my husband as a wife. I look at my husband the way that God looks at him in his position. And with that come respect. He lazy. I'm supposed to look at him how God looks at him. How does God look at him? Oh, you're the head of the home. Okay. Because God has called him that. Because God held him that position. I as a wife have to look at him that way. And so I respect him. What does respect mean? To give high regard. Give high regard to, to honor, to reverence, to appreciate. When's the last time you took time to honor your husband, to appreciate your husband, to give him high regard? How do we do that? Well, first, one of the ways is to speak well of your husband when he's in the room and to speak well of your husband when he's not in the room. Why? Because that's respect. To support your husband's discipline of your children. Oh, he don't know how to do that, so I'm just going to handle that. No, 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 no. The Bible says respect. The Bible says that he's a child. We talked about it when we talked about the husbands, that it is a husband's responsibility for disciplining the children. That's what the Bible says. It's my responsibility to do that. Okay, I can delegate. I can do different things. But at the end, it's my responsibility to do that. And so as a wife, a wife has to support your husband's discipline of the children. Wife has to encourage him as he gives the family spiritual direction. I know more Bible than him. Probably. <laughs> but as the respect of not just the person, but again, the role. We talked about that. We, we, we look at this and you say, well, you know, uh, this, this guy might be smarter than this guy. This guy might be more fit, might have a higher IQ. That's great. That might be the case. But in order for operation, in order for it to function as it should, there has to be that hierarchy. And so I look at this thing here, not as, well, he lazy, or he don't know, or he dumb, or, or, or she this, she that. No, I look at it and say, okay, this is how God looks at my marriage, my family. And so it's my responsibility to line up and to look at my marriage, look at my husband, look at my wife's role as God does. And when it comes also to respect as a wife, the idea is to be able to, and this is a little interesting, but to move out of the way so that he can lead. 
Somebody said, I was reading a book, the lady said, another way to look at that is duck so God can hit him. <laughs> Just duck out of the way so God can, that swing can connect where it needs to connect. But as a husband, as a wife, it's my responsibility to move out of the way so that he can lead. I can do it better. Granted, probably. I married up, if you heard that. I have a lot of deficiencies. I know you don't see them or hear about them, but they exist. <laughs> a lot of them. And Melissa is better than me in, I would say, 85%? A little higher? <laughs> I should have said hi. <laughs> well, on the mic, I'm nice. She, she can't get me on the mic. So that's at least 10%. <laughs> one, 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 two, one, two. Uh, and on the court, too. She can't get me on the court. So that's five. So that's 15. Those two. Better MC, better baller. We'll, we'll leave it as that. <laughs> that's 15%. I'm still in trouble. Anyway. <laughs> but, but, because, but even in that situation, because of how God looks at it, Melissa has to move out of the way so that I can lead and so that I can operate how God wants me to operate and so that the family can operate it how it should operate. Now, remember, my responsibility is to line up under the overarching lordship of Jesus Christ. So if I'm not doing that, I can't turn around and say, woman, you better get in line. You better. Hey, I'm in charge here. Well, wait, what you you all over the place. So again, when we talk about the word submit, the submit is voluntary. I'm not supposed to force Melissa to, I'm supposed to line up unto God, and she's supposed to line up unto me. And when I line, as I line up unto God and she lines up unto me, we are now lining up under the way God has set up the family. Therefore, I'm following the will of God. Therefore, my home represents the kingdom of God in the home. The third one we talked about for the wife, or we hadn't talked about it yet, but the third one is to reflect. The wife's responsibility is not only to be that helpmate, an essential, essential contributor, not only to respect her husband, and that simply means to look at your husband how God does. To acknowledge your husband's role as God acknowledges his role. The third one is to reflect. The wife's responsibility is to reflect the functional relationship between Jesus and the Father. The Bible talks about in Philippians, Jesus didn't see it as robbery. Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to line up under the authority of the Father and be obedient even unto death. And that's what he did. Did it make him less God? Did it make God the Father better than God the Son? Remember, they are equals. But Jesus said, I'm going to take this role underneath or beneath God the Father. The Bible says that because of that, I as a husband am supposed to take a role under Jesus. And because of that, the wife is to take a role under the husband. And again, that's just functionality, not value-wise, just functionality. And so because of that, the voluntary place herself under the alignment of the position that her husband has been placed in. And it's not necessarily the person, but it's the position. You heard about that? You know? I respect the position. I respect the person, but I also respect the position that God has placed them in. Wife, you have the power to empower your husband to lead. To empower your husband to lead by simply voluntarily lining up under his leadership. 
I like uh, William Barclay said that it's not a spineless submission. It's not a, okay, I'm just going to do whatever he tells me to do. I got to be obedient. The Bible says submit, so I'm going to submit. What are we doing today, boss? No. That's, that's not what the situation is. It's not a spineless submission, but it's a voluntary selflessness. Jesus took off his glory robe and said, I'm going to line up under the Father. Wives, take off your glory robe. And voluntarily and selflessly mimic that. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. As you're turning there, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is talking, and in the end of chapter 2, he starts talking about Jesus Christ. He talks about how Jesus suffered for us, how Jesus died for us. He bore our sins on the tree that he may die. And so we talked about what Christ did for us, how Christ left heaven, came down, took a role of a man, and died for us. There's no greater story than that. It's no great. We're about to come on to Easter, coming up close on Easter. It's no greater story, no greater love story than that. Jesus Christ, God himself, left heaven to come to this filthy, stinking earth to die and take my place. He gave up himself. He submitted selflessly. In talking about all that, Peter says in chapter three, likewise. Whenever you see the word likewise, when you're reading the Bible, go back up and see, okay, what are we talking about likewise? Because likewise means, now, keeping on to what I just said, what I'm about to tell you now is following the same line of thought what I just said. And so you go back and see what he just said. Talking about Jesus, he came, he died, he loved, he did, he sacrificed himself. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband. So that even if some do not obey God, he ain't right. God, he messed up. God, he ain't doing what he's supposed to do. God, he has not lined himself under your overarching authority. God, he's making mistakes. God, he's weak. God, he's not good at that. God, he's always messing up. God, he's in sin. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of the Peter said, wives, you've got this amazing power. Now, now, remember, you decided to marry this man. That was your choice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we got to remember. You decided to marry this man. And so when you said, I do, what you said in front of God and the officiator and in front of all those witnesses was, I am now voluntarily placing myself under the authority of Raymond Nicole. I am now voluntarily placing myself and my will and my wishes under the authority of Stephen Phillips. That's what you said when you said I do. And so because of that, Peter says, even if they ain't doing what they're supposed to do, be subject to your husband. Why? Because without a word, by the conduct, by your conduct, by how you carry yourself, by you following what Jesus just did. That's what we said likewise. If you follow what Jesus just did, by your conduct, you can win them to being obedient to the word. That's what the Bible says. That's how powerful wives we are. Submission, and, and again, that submission is not to, well, I'm submitting to him. No, you're submitting in obedience to God. That's who you're submitting to. You say, okay, God, I'm in this role. I'm going to submit to you. And because of that, we trust God. Because of that, we now have a kingdom relationship and not a Babylonian relationship. 
I like that verse when it says that make sure you submit to your own husband. Some people try to use this whole submit thing as, see, wives, women need to submit to men. Women need to be quiet and submit to men. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere in the Bible says women submit to men. Very specifically, it says submit to your own husband. So I can't fall up on Brendan like, listen, woman, you need to, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> no, that's a problem there. <laughs> this ring is not for you. That's for him. Okay, so that, that's one key there, the own husband. The other thing, notice that the Bible never tells a husband to force their wife to submit. Nowhere in scriptures do you see that. And if she out of line, you force her to submit. No, because submit is, submit is the opposite of force. The definition of submit means to voluntarily place oneself. So that, that, those two don't even go together. And then the Bible never tells a wife to wait until her husband deserves to be submitted to to submit. Never says that. Never says, and once you see him finally looking like he deserves it, then you submit. Then you respect. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says my responsibility is to do that. You might know better. And, and, I, was, and I was thinking about this, this thing here. Uh, 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 you know, you might know better than this person above you. They might fail all the time. I'm sure you've had some sergeants or people above you who, they, whoo, I wonder how they got them stripes. <laughs> but that didn't mean anything. The responsibility was, I am to fall in line. Why? Because of how God has set this thing up. And so wives, win your husbands with the conduct. Help them lead by your conduct, respectful and pure. If you look at the rest of that verse, verse 2 in uh, chapter 3, that they may one without a word by the conduct of the wives, verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Wives, we have to make sure that we carry ourselves respectfully and pure. Submission isn't staying silent but it is how you speak up. That's what submission is. It's not, well, I can't say nothing because the Bible says we'll submit. <laughs> so I guess I sit in this car where he drives us off this bridge and we all die. No, 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 no. Say something. <laughs> it's just how. That's where the submitting comes to. I was thinking about Maya and Tally and how important it is to understand what you're getting into when you say I do one day, if you. You know, I tell about the time you're gonna get married. I say, you understand, this ain't a game. This marriage thing is not a joke. It's not an extended date. It's, 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 it's different, B. <laughs> it is different. And in order for this thing to work how it's supposed to work, you're gonna have to do some stuff that you don't wanna do. I don't wanna lead all the time. I'll be honest with you. It, to, to have that responsibility and to know that the decisions that happen in my family are on me and God is going to hold me responsible. I don't care what she hold me or Melissa hold me. God is holding me responsible. So to know that God is holding me responsible and then the situation to come, okay, should we spend this money? The car just broke down. Should we spend this money to buy this new Honda or should we do something else? Dang it! What, what do we do? Why? Because God said, okay, I put you in charge of your lead. So you lead your family, make the right decision. Well, Melissa said she wanted her. I got it. Got nothing what she said she wanted. I put you in charge of this family. So it's your responsibility to lead. You make sure you make the right decision. Now, as long as you've lined yourself under me, 
<laughs> and you've been praying, asking habitually, and reading, listening habitually, and leading habitually, then you're good. That's why it's important, men, even before you get married, to understand that you have to align yourself under the overarching authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way this thing is going to work. But women, when you pick that man to marry, if you get married, you are basically saying, this is the man that I'm going to line up under his authority. And I'm going to follow him as he follows Christ. And I'm going to take my will and what I want to do and take it off as Christ took off his will. And I'm going to follow what this man wants to do. That man has better be. Woo! He better be. He better be. He better be. Okay, I'm getting personal now. I'm sorry. Let me, let me come back. Come back. This needs to be a general message. <laughs> Not a personal message. A general message. That man had better be lined up under Jesus Christ. Because whether he is or isn't, it is still your responsibility to fall under his authority. And so you better make sure that for the rest of your life, Talk to your mamas. <laughs> they can tell you sometimes when he made the wrong decision. And it was tough for me to sit there and go with it. But I did because I told God I would when I said I do. So make sure that you're thinking about this as you're moving forward. If your relationship to God does not show itself as being a tender husband and a responsible and respectful wife, then it is not penetrating the most essential areas of your life. Tommy Nelson said that. I'll read it again. If your relationship to God does not show itself in your marriage, if your relationship to God, oh, me and God, we got a great relationship. How about you and your husband? Oh, whoo. Mm -mm. Listen to that dude. You don't know what he's doing. He's lazy. You don't know. He's, he's soft. I'm stronger, so I kind of like do everything. And he comes along. Mm -mm then that doesn't follow that. That means that your house is not following the kingdom of God. That means your relationship with God is out of whack. The only way, watch this, this is why this is so important. The only way for you to line up under God is for you to line up here. If you say, you know what? Get that dude. I'm running this. I'm doing this. Guess what you left? You left the umbrella of being under God. You left the relationship of God. You left the relationship of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're outside of that. God ain't gonna move. Oh, where she go? Oh, let me step over here with her then. <laughs> go ahead. You over there by yourself. No, that's not what God does. God says, oh, I'm here, and this is the relationship, and this is how the hierarchy stands up, so you better get back over here. Because that's the only way to operate kingdom-minded. So don't tell me, and don't tell nobody your relationship with God is good, and this ain't going on in your home. Something wrong. And so responsibly get that right. That's why we started with this. We started with the self. How do I make sure that I am representing the kingdom of God? Great C's. How do I make sure that my home is representing the kingdom of God? I need to follow this hierarchy. Now, once I am representing the kingdom of God, once my family and my home is representing the kingdom of God, now I can go out there and represent the kingdom of God. That's what this, how this whole thing ties together. Then it gets to the children. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's real short, 
Guys, you don't have a lot of things you got to do. It's not an eight-point message. It's very, very simple. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And we're done. That's it. Obey. The word obey there means to take the shape of the command. This right here is filled with water. It's a certain shape. So if you look at the water in here, once you pour water in here, the water will take the shape of this. You're going to pour water here and it looks like a triangle. It looks like a dinosaur. No, the water takes the shape of this container. That's what the word obey means. Obey means take the shape of the command that your parents just told you. That means you better look like what I just told you to do. You look like what I told you to do. That's what obedience is. Parents say to do something, I better, I better, I better form into that. And it better be quick. And it better be with a smile on my face. And it better be snappy. That's what obedience means. That's the responsibility. And then it says in the next verse, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment. It is a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That honor means to have a deep respect and admiration, to treat as most expensive, precious thing on the planet. To submit does not mean you have to understand. I tell Jaden this all the time. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you to do something. It don't have to make sense to you. That's the thing you understand as you get older. Because as we get older as men, we start to want things to make sense. And so my mama told tell me to do something. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't compute here. I need you to give me some more information as to why I need to do that. No. <laughs> now, outside of mama, yeah, I want you to do that. At work, somebody else might tell you to do something. But put that computer on and get it working. But once you're in this house and your mama tell you to do something, it doesn't have to make sense to you. Your responsibility is to Take the shape of it right then. You don't have to like it. There's no requirement in Scripture, honor thy father and thy mother and be obedient if you like what they tell you. Don't have to like it. You might hate it. God don't care. There's a hierarchy there, and he says to obey. And then it doesn't have to make sense. Well, that don't make sense. No, it doesn't. But do it. That's what obedience is. The children, because of this, and this is, I'm going to say this quick and get off it. The children do not dictate what goes on in the home. Now, I know I say that, and we're like, well, yeah, I'm in charge. But, but, but that goes beyond, that goes to a lot of things. Oh, we can't do that because our children are. Oh, we can't do this because our kids are. Oh, I can't go there because Jaden don't like. Oh, we couldn't do that because Janaya don't really appreciate. No. I need to understand that the child does not dictate peace in my home. You got peace in your home? No, these children are wild. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. They don't dictate the peace. You dictate the peace, husband. And so whatever is unpeaceful in your home, you better piece that thing right up real quick. Whatever it takes, piece it up. Because that's the responsibility. The children do not dictate the direction of the home. And the children do not dictate the functionality in the home. I know Melissa told me that about her mom. Her mom never put, uh, uh, you know how people say, well, we've got kids, so you know, take, take the glasses off the table, and we don't put candles there because the kids can get on her. Ms. Valerius never did that. She kept the glasses there. Don't touch that. But they're two years old. I told you don't touch that. And so at two years old, you learn not to touch that. 
Why? Oh, no, I need to move this. Because you know that kids will be kids. No, kids won't be kids. Kids will be what you demand them to be, according to the word of God, because they fall under here. See, kids will be kids puts them up here. And that's not where kids belong. And so, and there's this example of stuff on the table. But the point is, the children, much as we love y'all, they don't dictate what goes on in the home. We have to keep that there. Husband, discipline and responsibility to children is our responsibility. You see that in verse 6. We're closed. I'm going to put this up on the Facebook, but it was real cool to look at. It was like how to submit. And so it gave a scenario about there was a need and they had to buy something really big. And it gave 10 steps how to do that, looking at submission, looking at his hierarchy. The first one was initiative. Husband, having a prayerfully considered the family needs, the husband says to wife, I think we should blah, 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 blah. Husband, lead, take an initiative. Number two was explanation. Next, the husband says, here are my reasons to his wife. Doesn't just say, oh, I'm in charge. We're going to do this. No. <laughs> he gives his reasons as to why and explains his reasoning to his wife. Number three, the invitation. The husband then invites his wife's opinion. What do you think? This is not a monologue, but this is a dialogue. And so I invite my wife into this. Why? Because she is an essential contributor to this. God has given her, hey, you better tell that man don't do that. You know how many stuff that God stopped us doing because Melissa told me that ain't a good idea? Probably all of them. <laughs> because of that. Four, gratitude. It is not necessary to say in every situation, but the wife should regularly affirm her husband's leadership. She might say something like, I acknowledge your leadership in general, and I appreciate your thoughtful initiative, but I think that this direction is probably going the wrong way. Five, husband, if the wife agrees with the proposal, then the decision is made, move forward. However, if she disagrees, she should freely state that, and the husband must listen carefully and thoughtfully to her reasons. Why? Because God has given her the role of an essential contributor. You didn't see that guy put his hands on him going down the field. You didn't see that pass interference. You didn't see that D-lineman move. You didn't see that. So God has given her the essential contributor to say, hey, that's a good idea. And I appreciate your initiative, husband. But if we follow that, I feel that we're going to be detrimental because of A, B, C, D, and E. Remember in the Bible when Pilate, they came to Pilate and like, want to crucify Jesus? And Pilate was like, I don't find no fault with him. And he's like, no, 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 crucify him. He's all right. Then his wife came to him and said, listen, I had a dream. And God told me that this man was innocent, so don't let them kill this man. God told her, yeah, essential contributor, go tell Pilate. She told him. Pilate was like, yeah, whatever, go kill him. And we see what happened after that. Six, persuasion. If the husband does not listen to his wife's reasons for objecting and then just goes ahead anyway. The husband doesn't listen to his wife's reason for objection and then just go ahead anyway. No. If she disagrees, then the husband interacts with her reasoning and seeks to persuade her. So it's like, well, I'm supposed to listen to you. You finished yet? Okay, we're still doing it anyway. Let's go. No, that, that's not how it works. Patience. If the wife still disagrees, then there should be a reasonable period of time, days, weeks, or months, given in prayer, further discussion, consulting, and attempts to compromise. Time has to be there to do this. Then acceptance. After this time, if the wife is not yet persuaded and no compromise has proven possible, the wife must accept the husband's leadership and submit to his will. The wife must support 
must avoid sulking and subtle opposition. Instead, she should say something like, I respect your leadership and trust your judgment and will do all I can to make it go well. When a decent review, when a decent period of time has passed, the couple should revisit the decision. If it turns out well, the wife should praise her husband for leadership. If it turns out badly, the husband should confess his error for failing. So there is a way to do that. And like I said, I'm going to put that on the, on the thing so y'all can look at it and we can discuss that. There was a situation in my home a long time ago. We were living in New Orleans, and I won't give any names or anything, but somebody was coming to our house to stay, and they wanted to bring their significant other with them. Cool. They would have come into town to visit us in New Orleans. That was cool. But the situation was, I know how y'all do, but I'm bringing her, and we're going to sleep in the same room. That's what was told to me. I want to be, I want about to trip, but that's what's going to happen. And I had to politely and firmly let them know that no. Because see, my house is under the kingdom of God. And because when you step into my house, you step into the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there's some laws and some rules and regulations. One of them is that if you're not married, you're not staying in the same room. So come, have fun. You can sleep there, they can sleep over there. You know, we have money for a hotel, that's fine. But in my home, because my home is the kingdom of God, this is how me and my house are going to move. Is the kingdom of God in your home, in your job, in your responsibilities? It needs to be. In order to do that, we must align up under how God said we line these things up. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We pray that you help us husbands, God, that we will line up under the overarching leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ in every aspect of our home, of our family. I pray, God, that you will help us as wives to line up under, voluntarily, under the authority, under the role, under the position that you have placed the husbands in. Pray, God, that you help us as children, God, that we line up under you, under our parents, in obedience, in honoring, and doing exactly what they want us to do, God. And I pray, God, that as we move forward and follow this way, that each one of our individual selves would represent your kingdom, and that each one of our families would represent your kingdom as you have given us the charge to go out into Babylon and change the world for you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.